Fieldsmeyer. And I'm Marty Harding. And welcome back to another episode of Animation and Beyond. Yes, this week we're changing it up a little bit. We're talking about something that's not a movie, not a TV show, not a film of any kind. We're talking about somewhere I went to recently. It's the Walt Disney Family Museum, located in the historic Presidio of San Francisco, which isn't even where Ezra lives. No, it's where I went to very recently. And how did you like it? It was great. It was exciting and a really fun and interesting place. Lovely. Well, we're going to dive into the history and talk about what you saw in the Walt Disney Family Museum. So we'll get into all of that in a minute. But first, Ezra, you suggested that we talk about someone who was absolutely critical to the success of so many Disney movies that made it so that Disney merited a family museum in the first place. And that's Sterling Holloway. He was a recurring voice actor for Disney. And I know he was the narrator in some of the old classic shorts. Like what? Like uh, Lambert the Sheepish Lion, Ben and Me, Susie the Little Blue Coop, and some others. Gotcha. Yeah, he's got a very impressive history. He's appeared in over 100 movies and over 40 TV shows. He voiced Mr. Stork and Dumbo, who returned in the short film Lambert the Sheepish Lion, which he was the narrator of. And he voiced Flower as an adult in Bambi, uh, the Cheshire Cat in Alice in Wonderland, Amos Mouse in Ben and Me, an animated short about Benjamin Franklin, and then the Winnie the Pooh early classic Winnie the Pooh cartoons in the Winnie the Pooh franchise, and then Caw in the Jungle Book, and Roquefort, the mouse in the Aristocats, and Nessie in a cartoon called Man, Monsters, and Mysteries. Wow. Yeah. An extensive array of animated films that he's been in and been a voice in. And I will mention before all of those animated films, he did have a significant stint in his youth in live action films. He had bushy red hair and uh, what I saw described as a foggy, distinctive voice with a Southern drawl. So he was in a lot of comedies, silly movies, he acted alongside notable actors and actresses like Barbara Stanwyck, Clark Gable, Joan Crawford, and B musician Bing Crosby. He played a medic in a famous movie called The Walk, A Walk in the Sun, and he even acted in several Gene Autry westerns, which are kind of classic western films. So he did have a impressive resume of live action acting too, but after that, he got into voice acting with Disney and kind of never looked back. I see. Yeah, interesting. And I know he was the narrator in segments of classic films such as The Three Caballeros and Make My Music. And I know Winnie the Pooh is what he was, he was the original voice of, which was probably his most famous. Absolutely. And it sounds like, like his voice was just perfect for children's related stuff because I know that he even acted in radio and narrated children's books or children's records like the Mother Goose Nursery Rhymes and the story Peter and the Wolf. And he was did Disney LP Records as the voice of Winnie the Pooh, and he voiced these characters I know, and he was born in 1926, and he retired in 1986 and died in 1992, and, and Jim Cummings had since then become the voice of many of the characters he originally voiced. Um, Mr. Holloway, I know, was also in Gilligan's Island, 
the famous show from the from the 60s. Right, a very famous show. And Mr. Holloway has an interesting background, I will mention. He attended a military academy in his home state of Georgia before he wound up attending the American Academy of Dramatic Arts in New York. So two quite different sets of schooling for Mr. Sterling, but he wound up using the things that he learned from the military academy later when he enlisted and he wound up producing a film for the military, which raised $350,000 for the Army Relief Fund, which is quite impressive. I see. Interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he had a very long, extensive, diverse career and was fortunate to have been so in with Disney until he was a very old age. He retired before he passed away. He did. Though wasn't he offered the role of Winnie the Pooh again before he died? I think he was, but he was old. And then Jim Cummings took over. Right. He turned it down. Gotcha. Anything else you'd like to say about Sterling Holloway? He was known for his unique, distinctive voice and how it's recognizable for how Winnie the Pooh sounds like. Absolutely. He's got a very distinct voice, one that many people will recognize. And all who would recognize also as the Cheshire Cat in Alice in Wonderland and Caught in the Jungle Book. Oh, of course. We can't leave that one out. The Cheshire Cat is classic. So let's go ahead and move away from Mr. Holloway and into our feature presentation about the Walt Disney Family Museum, which you just visited. Yeah. So the Walt Disney Family Museum, which I went to recently, first opened October 1st of 2009 and was founded by Diane Disney Miller. Who is Walt Disney's daughter, correct? Yes, who passed away in 2013 and Saving Mr. Banks, which came out around that time, was dedicated to her. Yeah, a very kind gesture. So this family museum was her idea, and it does a lot of things, doesn't it? It's not just a museum. But let's start with the museum part. So Ezra, why don't you walk us through what the museum contains? What's it like? Where is it? What exhibitions does it have? All of the important things in Walt's life and the history of his life. Like what? From the early years, from when early in his career, before he founded his own studio. Right. He founded the short-lived Laugh-A-Gram studio in Kansas City, Missouri. When he was young, right? Yeah, before he founded the more successful studio we know today here in California. Walt Disney Studios now. Yes, yes. And before he did Mickey Mouse, he did Alice Comedies. Of course. And it's worth mentioning that the Walt Disney Family Museum doesn't have any official connections to Walt Disney Studios. It wasn't funded by them or anything. It was founded by Disney's daughter, Diane Disney Miller. She was the one who found the funding for the museum. So it's a separate entity. I'm saying, and it was had information about, it started out as Disney Brothers Cartoon Studios when it was founded in 1923, and which we're celebrating their 100th anniversary this year. And does the museum pretty much cover the entirety of Walt Disney's life, Ezra? Well, yeah, and then it goes to when he created Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, and then how he created Mickey Mouse. And it also shows all the frames he used to create the very first cartoon to utilize sound, and the very first Mickey and Minnie cartoon ever, Steamboat Willie. Of course. And 
Yeah, I visited the Walt Disney Family Museum a long time ago, and I remember being so amazed at how many frames were involved in the making of that cartoon. And it showed how Mickey Mouse, that that cartoon became an instant success. And it showed some early Mickey and Minnie merchandise. Mm-hmm. And it also showed a bunch of different early Mickey Mouses. It's pretty astonishing how different different versions were of Mickey Mouse look when you compare them to modern day Mickey Mouse and kids cartoons and Mickey and Minnie's clubhouses. Yes, I know. And then it went over next to the Silly Symphonies, like the Skeleton Dance, the first of the Silly Symphony series. A classic. And Flowers and Trees, the first ever cartoon to be in full color. Then the Three Little Pigs, which is one of the most famous old Disney cartoons. Of course, a classic nursery rhyme too. Well, a fairy tale, actually. You're right, fairy tale, not a nursery rhyme. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Also, went over and how when they introduced Goofy and when they introduced Donald Duck. Other classic characters that aren't quite as famous as Mickey Mouse, but are still pretty famous. Yes, I know. And then after that part, we go to the part when Walton created his first ever feature film and the first ever fully animated feature movie, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Yes. And that movie won a bunch of awards, all of which are on display in the museum, alongside his Presidential Medal of Honor, which I did not know that he won until I went to the museum. Yes, those are all some awards and achievements he's earned during his lifetime. It's incredibly impressive how many awards Walt Disney won. And I know it showed like the frames and some memorable scenes from the from Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, like the original Snow White doll and how her dress was a different color compared to what it's like today with it being blue and yellow with a little bit of red. Oh, interesting. I didn't realize it changed that much. And it showed early merchandise picture of when it first premiered at the Carthay Circle Theater, which was right near where I live and did close and was demolished in 1969. But they've kept the legacy of it in places like Disney's Hollywood Studios and Disney California Adventure. Oh, cool. I didn't realize that you lived that close to it. Yeah. It's also worth mentioning that the building that the Walt Disney Family Museum is housed in is also very historic. It was Army Barracks number 104 for the U.S. Army because the Presidio was an active Army base until 1994, which is pretty recent. Now, of course, it's a California historical landmark and a national historical landmark since 1962. And it's part of the Golden Gate National Recreation Area, which is a national park. So the location that it's in is historic. The building is historic. It was, of course, stripped of the original barracks and now looks different. It doesn't look like barracks, does it? No, it has like some other museums and playgrounds and like a picnicking area and a whole like historical things for people to learn. And it's pretty cool that that it's like that. Totally. Yeah, it's a great gathering area. When I was there, they had a bunch of food trucks even outside. So there are a ton of families that were going in and out of the museum and also enjoying the lawn out front. I know that there's also a second building that does that houses the rotating exhibition. So kind of the bigger seasonal exhibitions alongside the Walt Disney Family Foundation, which is the foundation that funds the museum, as well as funds some of the other programming that the museum does, which we can talk about in a minute. Back to the museum. They also mentioned about how Disney brought real life animals to the studio when they created films like Bambi and Dumbo. Right, of course, to examine how they move and make noises, right? Yeah, and they also, then I went to the 
next part of where they talked about Pinocchio and Fantasia and how they animated those movies and showed concept art from memorable scenes of those movies. After that, it went to the part when what Disney was doing during the time of World War II and how he created cartoons and and the films he did were like package movies, weren't completely full-length feature movies. Right, and they were meant to be something positive and happy and entertaining for people during what's generally regarded as a sad period of time for this country. Yes, I know. And then it showed also some things too about Dumbo that represented the time of World War II. Mm. And then the next part, which did have something saying that some people might sound sensitive to what this next part is about because it had did have some things involving stuff which are now considered to be racist. Hmm, definitely. So it's self-aware and acknowledges that expectations of the media industry have changed over time in terms of what's acceptable socially. Yes, and it showed classic films that were package movies like Fun and Fancy Free, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, Make My Music and Melody Time. And then from also from films that are actually completely full-length features, starting with Cinderella, and then Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, and Lady and the Tramp. Right, right. Interesting. So they're really, really covering some of the more famous movies Disney did. Yes, and showed like artwork and like how some of the actors were the models of the characters, like how there was Catherine Beaumont, who was the original, who was the actress, original actress and the model for Alice and Alice in Wonderland and Wendy and Peter Pan. Right. And they also show Nautilus from the film 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and how Disney got into doing fully live action movies. Right, which was kind of short-lived. Yes, and then the next part had when Disney did nature documentaries. And they still do now under the label Disney Nature. Oh, which you can find on Disney Plus, right? Yeah, yeah. Then I saw the, the Griffith Park bench. That's what gave Walt ideas to create his own place. Right. And I've been to Walt's barn once in Griffith Park, which I found pretty interesting, and the carousel that Walt took his children to. Right. Yeah, it was all creative space for Walt Disney. Yeah, I know. And then in the next room I went to, it was when Walt Disney was developing the idea of Disneyland, and it showed the the, the Carrollwood Pacific Railroad, which was Walt's own train. It has a model of it, right? Yes, it showed the model of the train and showed some sketches of what Walt wanted Disneyland to look like years before it opened. Interesting. Yeah, and then it got to the model of Disneyland, but it mostly represented what Disneyland looked like a long, long time ago, even from attractions that used to be there, but closed and got replaced by something else. Gotcha. Yeah, and I took a, took a long time to looking at it, and... I thought it was quite interesting to see. I thought so too. How many hours do you think you spent in the Walt Disney Family Museum, Ezra? Maybe like two or three hours. And when I was there, I also saw like original Autopia car and some other old Disneyland props. And then on a bunch of TVs, it represented when Walt Disney got into television and did his own original TV programs from back in the day. Oh, interesting. Did you get to go downstairs and see what movie they were playing in the theater? No, I don't think so. But 
on the TVs, they showed excerpts from TV programs like Disneyland and some of the other original anthology series and World of Color and the Zorro black and white series and how they there were like brands that sponsored those TV programs. Very cool. Or it showed bits of, of animated features of Sleeping Beauty, 101 Dalmatians, and The Sword in the Stone. And how Sleeping Beauty was the last to use ink and paint. And the first with the Xerox copy was 101 Dalmatians. And also showed examples of live action comedies that they did at the time, such as the original film of The Parent Trap, uh, The Absent-Minded Professor, Herbie the Love Bug, and some others. Interesting. I love The Parent Trap. That's a great movie. I uh, got it. And then I'll watch on the TV for a bit about how Walt created one of his biggest and most successful achievements ever, Mary Poppins. Of course. And, and how he brought everyone's favorite nanny to life. And, and I saw the interesting film Saving Mr. Banks and how initially P.L. Travers, who wrote the original stories, dismissed Walt's ideas to adapt her stories into a film. And it showed scenes from some of the most iconic moments, like with the dancing penguins, the step in time with the chimney sweeps, and a spoonful of sugar with the animatronic robins, and how the film was a massive success upon release and ended up winning five Academy Awards. Absolutely. Just five of 248 that Walt Disney won in his career. Yes, I know. And I saw a cool high-tech thing that had Dick Van Dyke, who was one of the stars of that film. Of course. And then I went and I saw something about the animatronics, that Walt Disney audio animatronics that they invented that started at the New York World's Fair. Like they showed one of the birds from the Enchanted Tiki Room, which first opened in 1963. And it also showed us examples of animatronics from newer things today. And also next, artwork from, from for It's a Small World, which first started in the New York World's Fair in 1964. And is now a classic Disneyland ride. Yeah, and it also showed things of what the former Disneyland attraction, former Disneyland attraction, which is still in Disney World, called Carousel of Progress was like. Interesting. And then a few more things I saw that Walt did. And then the final room was when everyone heard that Walt Disney had suddenly passed away at the age of 65. And the time of his death, there were magazines and artwork and cartoons that showed tributes to him. It must have been a tragic day for anyone who loved Disney films and was there for the whole time that Walt was making Disney films. And then in the final room there of the main museum, there was showed footage of some of the biggest things he did in his lifetime and showing how they continue his legacy today and that they how they keep that all alive. In part through the family museum, which did such a good job of capturing his whole life story and everything he's done. And so Ezra, the Walt Disney Family Museum, or more specifically, the Walt Disney Family Foundation, provides free animation classes and certificate courses through a local college prep school. How did that academy compare to the animation classes that you've taken? It was like a small one in a museum compared to one which is all completely an academy, and that's just only part of a museum. Gotcha. It's a really cool initiative, though, in my opinion. They're teaching people, and specifically kids from marginalized communities, 
how to animate, the fundamentals of storytelling, stuff that could make them into really incredible animators one day and diversify the people who are creating these movies and telling stories. Yes, and and, and I also went to a special limited time exhibition, which was just right outside the main museum building about dogs and cats in Disney. Oh, what did you learn there? About how Disney created these films that have dog and cat characters and how very iconic and famous they are today. Absolutely. It talked about Lady and the Tramp, and I saw a life-size version of the table with the spaghetti from the iconic, memorable Bella Notes scene. Oh, cool. And showed concept art of the film and how they brought real-life dogs to create the characters. Disney was really big on animals, it sounds like. Yeah, they were. And then something about 101 Dalmatians. Of course. Which they made that film, which is loosely based on a novel by Dottie Smith. And then The Aristocats, which was about cats rather than dogs. And then 1988's Oliver and Company, which was also a loose take on Charles Dickens' Oliver Twist. Very interesting. Also Bolt, which is about a dog, which came out in 2008 which is regarded as Disney's pre-revival age film. And then I went upstairs where they had representations of other films that had dogs and cats like Pinocchio, Alice in Wonderland, Cinderella, some old Pluto cartoons, Big Hero 6, The Little Mermaid, and um, Beauty and the Beast, which all which were all little honorable mentions of other Disney dogs and cats too they gave. Absolutely. What a fun ex- exhibition. Yes, it was. And what an exciting museum. And I'm glad I could give all the important details. Of course, yeah. You did a great job summarizing a very complex and extensive museum that I also thought was wonderful when I visited a few years ago. Now let's go into trivia. Beautiful. We have to answer last episode's trivia question, about the Haunted Mansion, a ride in Disneyland. What character from a former Disney World Magic Kingdom attraction can be seen in the Pet Cemetery as you exit the Haunted Mansion at Walt Disney World? And the answer is... Mr. Toad. It's Mr. Toad's gravestone, because Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, which got replaced by Winnie the Pooh, there's a tribute to it, similar to how there's Mr. Toad on the Winnie the Pooh ride now, where there is today. And and there's a gravestone that would say, here lies Toad. Sad but true. He was never as marketable as Winnie the Pooh. A funny poem. Makes me yes. chuckle. Though, though it's a little sad. I know. And this week, we've got a question about the Walt Disney Family Museum. The Walt Disney Family Museum is housed in an old military base, as I mentioned earlier. But while the exhibition hall that you mentioned, housing the Walt Disney Family Foundation, was previously barracks number 104, the other building, which holds the consistent exhibits of the museum, was previously something that wasn't a barrack, though it was also meant for the Army. What rooms were in that building? I think you know the answer. Give a shout out and we'll see you on the next episode of Animation and Beyond. Bye! Thank you for listening and goodbye.